Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. And I want you, if you had your Bibles open to Psalm 143, I want you to stay there. And we're going to look at these three psalms that we just have been worshiping in. And seeking to answer this question, how do I pray when I'm in distress? And the reality is, uh, you've already been learning that as we've been singing these truths. As we've been faithfully reminding and testifying to one another, how do I do this? How do I do this biblically? And here's the truth, church. Um, We are really, really bad at putting on a church face. And it's easy for that to become the norm. It's easy for me to have that become the norm. And when we're struggling, uh, when family is struggling... We share it with one another. And as Galatians 6.2 would say, we bear one another's burdens. And so in the scope of this, we have to be able to learn biblically, how do, I, how do I come before the Lord when I'm in distress, when I'm in anguish, when things are not good? And if we're really honest, our tendency is to do to God exactly what we do to one another. We sit down at a meal or we end the day and we come before the Lord and we give thanks for what he's given us. But the reality is we aren't truly honest with the Lord about the condition of our hearts. These are really sobering statistics I just want to share with you. To give a scope of this, because however good you would say you think a majority of people are doing, um, statistically it says different. One in five, one in five U.S. adults experience some form of mental illness or struggle every year. One in five. I want you to look around this room and think about that for a minute. One in five. One in 20 U.S. adults experience serious Mental illness or struggle each year. One in twenty. Look again, look around this room and think about that for a minute. One in six youth aged six to seventeen experience mental health struggles or disorders every year. One in six. Fifty percent of all lifetime mental health struggle begins by age 14 and 75% by age 24. And suicide is the second leading cause of death amongst people age 10 to 34. Now I share those. For a couple of reasons. One, we, we have a responsibility to recognize and be aware of what's happening 
and to be honest about it. And I fully recognize when I wrote these down this week, I'm going, man, Matt, you're just pummeling over the head at the very beginning. This is not a woohoo, let's party and celebrate. This is heavy. But I also say this because we have an issue, a historical issue within the body of Christ that we diminish these things. And I'm telling you, our leadership is committed to make sure that's not who we are as a people. It's one of the reasons I encourage you to continue to pray for the ongoing launch of our mental health coaching ministry, which we're praying, Lord willing, begins this this summer in July. Why do we see this as an important need? Because this is true. This is reality. And I believe, family, I believe this is a reality in our family. And it's important that we stop in the midst of that and go, how do I, how do I approach these things biblically? When I'm in distress, when I'm struggling, when I'm hurting, how do I come before the Lord in faithfulness? How do I do that consistently? And I'm going to give you this as kind of the main idea, and then we're going to go through each of these psalms, and I want you to see where this is evident in Scripture. How do I pray in distress? I seek the Lord with honesty, fixating on who He is, on what He has done, and what He has promised. When I'm in distress, when I am hurting, when I am challenged, when I am in trial, how do I navigate this according to God's Word? And I begin by seeking the Lord honestly. That's not covering over or putting a band-aid on it. It's honestly coming before the Lord. And then I remember and fix my eyes on who He is, on what He has already done in the past, and what He has promised me in Christ. Now ultimately I could leave you with that and you could go today. And so if you get nothing out of today, I want you to really cling to this, whether you take a picture of it or you write it down or you just memorize it right here. And now I want you to think critically about this, because the simple answer biblically in summary of what these three Psalms identify is this. When I'm in distress, this should be my game plan and my strategy. Because it centers me on who He is rather than on what I'm going through. And I want to bring light to each of these. But I want us to remember in the midst of this. Church, we have made a grave mistake if we assume that God only wants the best version of ourselves. Because Romans 5 says it's while you were still in your sin that He sent Jesus to die for you. All of Scripture points to a God who graciously seeking to redeem for Himself a people. And He has made a way for that to happen. And if we convince ourselves that God doesn't want my mess, we are fooling ourselves. And not only are we fooling ourselves, but we're communicating to a world that is broken, 
that until you figure out your brokenness, don't come here. It's a lie. The very reason we need our Father in Heaven is because we are broken, hurting people in anguish that will not be resolved or satisfied by anything of this world. So if that's you today, I want you to begin this morning. Just eliminate that from your thinking. God desires that you would bring all you have to bring, even if that is just your frustration. And for you to recognize who He is and what He has done and what He has promised so that you can step into the trial and the hurt and the pain and the anguish with a confidence that's not rooted in yourself, it's rooted in the Creator of the world. The first part of this, how do I pray in distress? I be honest about my circumstances. I can't tell you about how often we minimize the reality of how things really are. Guys, we are especially bad about this. Okay? You cut your finger off. Oh, I just need a band-aid. Right? It'll be fine. How many of you guys are the electrical tape bandage person? You know, I'm. T- yeah, that's what I thought. Duct tape, see? It's fine. We do the same thing with the Lord. Oh, you know, God's got bigger things to deal with than my problems. Listen to what the psalmist says. I'm going to start in, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start in 143. I'm going to read a section. Then we're going to go to Psalm 86. Then we're going to go to Psalm 77. And then we're going to go to the next point. And we're going to go the other way. Okay? Psalm 143. Listen to what verses, look at what verses 3 and 4 say. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He's made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. That's pretty honest. Look at Psalm 86. Starting in verse 1 of Psalm 86. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. And jump over to verse 14. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. Identifies the struggle and the problem. Now go to Psalm 77. Psalm 77. I'm going to read verses 2 through 9 in Psalm 77. It says, In the day of my trouble I seek the Lord. In the night my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. 
Some of you have experienced that personally. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search and listened to what his fleshly spirit brings to the surface. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Now, if we were to honestly assess, I would say many of us, when we do some honest searching, we resonate with those verses. And we recognize that when we do a search, we struggle maybe on a day to actually remember who God is and what He has done and what He has promised. And we lie awake at night. This is what the psalmist reveals in 77. You hold my eyelids open. And I'm trying to process these things, God, but I, I, I'm frustrated and I'm doubting your love. I'm doubting your faithfulness. I'm questioning who you are. I'm, I'm honest. Family, the only way we're going to experience comfort in the arms of our God is if we're honest with our God who already knows where we're at. But our number one tendency is to mask it, to mask where we really are. And some of us have gotten so used to hiding how we really are that we've convinced ourselves we can hide from God. So, step one, how do I pray in distress? I'd be honest about with God about where I'm really at. Here's the key, though. Don't stop there. Some of you do. Some of you, the farthest your prayer life goes is to cast your cares upon the Lord. That's biblical. Cast your cares on the Lord because He cares for you. Cast your anxieties on the Lord. But don't stop there. Because the minute you stop there, now you're just sitting in your mess. God, I'm a mess. Yep, God's very aware of that. That's why He knew you needed Jesus. It's not a surprise to him. So here's where the second part comes in. How do I pray in distress? I fixate on who God is. Look at verses 10 through 20 of Psalm 77. Then I said, this is after he's been honest, the psalmist has been honest. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. Okay, I'm going to go back. Obviously, I'm questioning God's faithfulness and sovereignty in the present. So, time to go back. Verse 11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? 
You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeem your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightning lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now turn over to Psalm 86. Psalm 86. Starting in verse 5. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations have made you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Now turn to Psalm 143. Psalm 143, verses 5 and 6. says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Our number one response, church family, in times of distress is to fixate on how we feel. And how we feel on any given moment. It's just it's a normal reaction and response. If my, here's, here's, the, here's the hard truth. If my security is rooted into how I feel at any given time, I'm in trouble. I must have my feet planted somewhere. Far firmer than my thoughts and feelings. I have to. If I don't plant my feet somewhere that's way more solid than myself, then I am prone to wander. And I'm prone to think through and solve situations of my own power and my own authority. And God has given us emotions. Emotions and feelings, they're not bad. But they are deceptive. And so often, church family, how you are feeling at any given moment may reveal a deeper truth, but largely speaking, the heart is deceptively wicked. 
and is leading you in a direction that pursues your flesh more than it pursues who God is. Plant your feet somewhere far firmer than your feelings about the situation you're in right now. Where do you plant them? I plant them on the rock who is higher than I. And I fixate on who He is. On who God is, because there is no other. How does this meet my greater needs? And here's where we get to the third and final point of this. How do I pray in distress? I seek what He has already promised to give. Back in Psalm 143, look at verses 1 and 2. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, everyone say faithfulness, answer me. In your righteousness, everyone say righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. You jump over and you look at verses 7 through 12. It says, answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. You know what Proverbs 3 promises? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He, He will direct your paths. Verse 9, deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Go back to Psalm 86. Psalm 86. Verse 11 says, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. And I look at 16 and 17 of Psalm 86. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor. That those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Church family, did you know that you can you can pray in certainty? If we pray what God has already promised, you can pray with certainty and confidence Knowing that God is a God who is not deceptive and He will always come through on that which He has promised. Does this mean that I shouldn't pray for what I am uncertain of? Absolutely not. You should. As long as your eyes remain fixed on what you do know to be true. I must seek the Lord and what He has already promised me.
if all you pray for is what you are uncertain of, you are sure to lose sight of what you can be certain of. So, you may be asking, what has God promised? Well, my first response to you is, read your Bible. But I want to highlight just a handful. And I want you to look at these. I want you to think about this. John 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's a promise. That whoever believes in the name of Jesus will be saved. James 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously without reproach. But when you ask, ask in faith and don't doubt. Direction. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. That's a promise. Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness in me known to all. The Lord is at hand. Later on in that, it's whatever is good, whatever is just, whatever is lovely. Gives this whole list. It says, think about these things. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. Second Corinthians 1. Blessed be the God of all comfort, who comforts us in any affliction, so that we might also comfort those with the same comfort with which we've been comforted. That's a promise. Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overcome you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But when you're tempted, He will provide a way of escape that you may be able to stand up under it. Luke 18, the parable of the woman, we read that last week, where Jesus says if the, if the unrighteous ruler responds to her persistence for justice in this way, how much more will your God respond to you? He'll respond, he will bring justice quickly, is what it says. But when he comes, will he find faith? Now, church family, this is just the beginning of promises that God has given us in his word. And my overarching challenge to you is to memorize these scripture passages because this is how you fight spiritual battles. You don't fight spiritual battles watching the news. You don't fight spiritual battles on social media. You fight spiritual battles with the sword we've been given. Ephesians 6 says is the Word of God. And you take up the shield of faith and you charge into a world that is discouraged and hurting and in anguish. 
And you, according to First Peter, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. How in the world can I have hope in the midst of my distress? I seek the Lord with honesty. I fixate on who He is, on what He has done, and what He has promised. That, church family, is the foundation of our hope. It has to be. It has to be our focus. Because here's the thing. You're going to leave here today and those things that cause you distress and anxiety and pain and hurt, they're still there. And I'm here to tell you they are not going to go away until Jesus comes back. But God has not left us alone He has given us His Son and the Spirit as our helper that we might know that God is with us and if God is for us, who can be against us? The battles you are facing today are not pointless, but you have got to stop fighting them alone. And I praise the Lord for the family that is the church. But church, you who are here and those of you online, there are so many other people that are fighting these battles alone. And we have a responsibility to take this hope and these promises to a world that desperately needs them. And then focus our attention on the very one who's promised redemption for those in Christ. And look forward to an eternity where all of those things are gone. And until then, together, we bear one another's burdens in honesty. And we fixate on who God is. On what He has done. And what He has promised. Every day until God takes us or Jesus returns. All of that for His glory. Amen? So here's what I want to do as we close. We're going to sing in Christ alone again. But we're going to sing it with a different reminder at hand. Because that different reminder is simply this, that God has given us a hope and he's given us a security through Christ. And it doesn't matter today whether you have made a decision to follow Jesus or whether you have struggled to know who God is. There's one message of hope and encouragement for you, and it's this. God knows your struggle And he knows that you're not a perfect person. That you're a sinner. And you can't do this on your own. God knew that before you were born. And he sent Jesus to give his life as your payment for your sin. And at any point in time, 
you can choose to make a decision to follow Jesus or keep walking down this path you're on right now. And so as you leave here today, you're making a decision. A decision to follow Christ or a decision to deny that He is God and He is the only one we have hope in. And my challenge to you is to choose hope and to choose joy and peace. And I'm here to tell you that can only be found in Christ. You may temporarily find it in this world, but it's only in Jesus that it's going to last. So if that's you today, and you're going, I know I need to, I know I need to make a decision to follow Christ. I know I need to commit my life to Him. And maybe you have committed your life to Christ, but you're going, I am in distress, I'm hurting, I'm struggling, and I just need to reframe and refocus. Then I want to challenge you as we sing this last song to come down here and just pray. And I'm going to challenge those of you who are my elders, whether you're, uh, Elders sitting on the leadership team now, or you are elders from the past. If there's people that come down here, I want to challenge my elders to come up and just pray with people. Okay? And don't leave here until you have a confidence that's rooted in Christ. And maybe it's just that I need some other people to pray with me. Because I'm in distress. And I need to fixate on who God is. And the hope I've been given in Christ. And for the rest of us, I want us to sing this song out louder than we ever have before in proclamation that it's in Christ alone that my hope is found. And man, when we get to that portion that he conquered death itself, that we would celebrate that together. Because that victory secured our eternity in him. So let's stand together. And I'm going to pray, and then we're going to proclaim this to the Lord in faithfulness. Father, you are good and gracious, and we don't deserve your love. May you open our eyes to see all of who you are, what you have done, and what you have promised. And may that flow into a community that desperately needs that hope in the midst of of discouragement and despair.